0: Welcome to Kesed. If you are brand new with us, uh, I'm so excited that you're here. My name is Danny. I'm one of the pastors, and I'm going to be sharing with you. This was a great Sunday to come and visit. Uh, we're launching a series called Dragons and Dandelions. And it came out of, well, frankly, it came out of a lot of work. Uh, I've been sharing with the church over the last year or so my own kind of emotional health journey. Uh, we all have stuff inside our lives, and uh, I just got tired of my always around and so uh i shared with the church that i put myself in therapy about i think 19 months ago now and at first i got kind of a mixed review because generally the people on stage are supposed to be telling you how to do things and when they tell you hey i don't know how to do things uh it it comes across a little uh, well <laughs> curious <laughs> is the word i'll choose but uh I, I stuck with it and eventually uh i was just really wrestling with kind of what i learned and i wrote this 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 little piece, and I shared it with my wife, and she looked at me with eyes that I have not seen in a very long time, and she said, "Danny, like that's that's pretty good. That's pretty healthy." And I was like, "What?" (laughs) Because I've been spending a year and a half, you know, figuring out all the stuff in my life that's not healthy. And so she said, "No, I this is this is important. You shouldn't pass this up." And she's so much better at than I am at at this emotional health thing. And, And I said, "Really?" And so. i I ended up posting it uh, on our on my on facebook and i shared it with some friends and out of that i just really felt like we should build a series and so that's what today is and i know not all of us are on facebook and not all of us take the time to read those things so i want to read to you uh, this post that poured out of my heart after a year and a half of looking at my stuff and watching how god saw it and wanted to work through it with me dear church family and anyone else looking for a place to belong. For a while now, I've wanted to do a teaching series around how we face and overcome the painful places in our lives that just won't go away. The arenas we enter time and time again while trying to conquer that returning foe inside of us for the everyday simple prizes of peace, clarity, or purpose. Throughout God's word, we have all kinds of clever descriptions for these different ailments ranging from trials and burdens to battles and challenges, all the way to afflictions and curses. For me, choosing the right word for the correct occasion often seemed to depend on how badly that particular issue was affecting my day-to-day existence. The differences between getting laid off from your job and finding out that you have cancer are vast. I've personally experienced both of these crossroads, and as you can imagine, stood before them dressed in quite differently adorned robes of emotion. In light of this, and for the sake of a very personal journey we will be taking over the next few months together within our community, I've chosen to use the simple word struggle to describe these encounters. Whether it's the day-to-day obstacle standing just outside your front door hoping to suffocate your joy as you head into the morning, or the fierce foreboding juggernaut calling from afar awaiting your personal destruction, eventually both must be struggled with and pressed against in order for life to be more. That's what this intimate series is really about, learning through scripture and spirit how to have more life in your life. So, from one traveler to another, I wanted to start by encouraging you to remember that no matter the size of your struggles, whether they've been quietly growing all around you or loudly roaring down from the sky above, they all must be faced with the same great fierceness of faith. It's because of this we know that it is only Jesus who can show us the way. This is why time and time again it has always been him whose voice has been calling us toward this epic confrontation to face through him and alongside each other our own individual dragons and dandelions. So this, this, uh, this writing, once it was on paper, uh, affected me more than, I'm not a writer, right? I'm a talker, so in case you never figured that out. There's a big difference between being a writer and a talker. And and once it came out on paper, and I read it back to myself, and I read it to my wife, and I started sharing it with friends, it started having an impact on me even more than than when I wrote it. I started to realize that that, that I have been spending the last year and a half personally facing all of my great and small issues or concerns or the word I chose is struggles, my dragons and my dandelions, and I have been facing them daily with friends and family and God by my side, and he has just been slaying them left and right. I mean, I have walked through so much stuff I didn't even know I was facing in the last year and a half that suddenly I found myself in a free enough place to actually write something like readable that made sense, and it was clear, and I stepped back and went, is this what happens when we do the work? Is this what happens when we step into this, this story that God has laid out before us? And I believe that it is. And so for the next eight weeks here at Kessid, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do some work. Now, the hard thing is, you don't realize this because church isn't what you do. It's not, it's not your calling, let's say. But what you may not realize is that September and August, those are when you're supposed to launch all your sexy services. Because that's when all your friends and family are coming to check out and shop around to see which church they're going to go to for the rest of the year. So when this hit, I was like, ooh, this is like a a February service. Like this is is not a fall launch service. But I just couldn't get around it. And you may know this about me. I can't preach anything that I can't get around. And so I decided that we're just going to forego sexiness (laughs) (laughs) for this season. And we're going to lean into some really difficult work. And then I realized the magical benefit of this. Our church probably won't grow much in the next few months, which means I'll have enough parking spots for the building downtown in January. So so the Holy Spirit is providing so well. (laughs) I had no idea that health would also mean enough room for everyone. (laughs) Let me bring some clarity first to start. What are dragons and dandelions? Quite simply... Dragons and dandelions are the things in your life that are difficult to kill. They're the things in your life that just hang around. You've been working on them, and then they show back up. Maybe every day, maybe every once in a while, but they're there, and they're always present. And every time you leave your house or come home, you're like, ah. These are what dragons and dandelions are. These are the rarely talked about things in a person's life, because they are often the things that have or they think will wreck them. They're difficult things. They're painful things. In emails this week, let me just give you a few descriptions of what they are. They're past failures, people have written to me about since reading the letter. Past failures they've not been able to get rid of, reoccurring addictions that continue to show up no matter how much effort is put forth, past traumas, past tragedies. Today, worry. Today, fear. Today, anxiety. There are all kinds of things ranging in all kinds of sizes, coming from all kinds of people. These are our dragons and our dandelions. And that's why we're going to do this series, because it affects and impacts all of us. If you don't know you have dragons and dandelions in your life, I just want you to know you just met your first dragon, which is your inability to know that you have stuff in your life that's affecting you. You've got to stop and I've got to stop and look around and see the things in our life that are causing us to behave and respond to each other and to God in specific ways. And that's exactly why we're doing it. And I'll put it on the screen to face together and with God the things we can't face by ourselves. So welcome. I'm really, really excited that you're here. It's going to be a really difficult journey. And I pray that you make it. I pray that you stay consistent. If you miss, watch online. But it's going to be a beautiful thing to watch what God unfolds in your life. And maybe even in the end, you'll write a letter. Maybe we'll all post about something that God has revealed to us in the next eight weeks. Something that impacts us. Something that freed us. And we'll be healthier for it and better connected to him. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person in this room. Thank you for their story. Thank you for the reality, Lord, that you already know the stuff that maybe they don't even realize yet. Thank you, God, for the way that you are going to reveal yourself to us, the way you're going to align us with your spirit, with the way that you bring glory to yourself, with the way that you're going to align us with each other. Thank you that we can be in this place to ask these questions and that we serve a God who brings the answers and who deserves all the praise. We thank you. We lift this time up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So today, here's how we're going to start. I've come to realize there's really two reoccurring themes in my life, two places that I run to when I'm facing dragons and dandelions. Now, this first place is a rather obvious place, and I'm going to use this chair to describe it because this is the place that I go and sit. This is the place that I go and, uh, and hide, and this place is what we're going to call my messy life. This is my messy life. This is where I go when things get too hard. These are the habits that I've created or the rhythms that I've created or the responses that I naturally go to when things get difficult. Uh, I had a conversation with my wife after having a difficult conversation with somebody else this week. She walked in, she asked me a question and I responded to her like I was responding to some other people. And she said, I don't think that belongs to me. So I'm just going to leave it here. And then she left the room. (laughs) And I was like, well, that's not very nice. Come back and take that thing that doesn't respond to you. But the 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 reality is I have a natural way that I function when I begin to face the dragons and dandelions in my life and for me this causes a lot of mess it causes relational struggles it causes spiritual struggles it causes physical struggles it causes emotional struggles it causes all kinds of feelings and 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 uh, reactions in my relationships and even in my body when I go to this messy place whenever I'm facing a dragon or a dandelion this is where I escape to When struggles become too much. Now, I can give you 25 different verses that illustrate this truth. But I think if you're honest with your heart, you already know. You're just a little bit messed up the same as me. I think you know this. Psalm 139, 7 through 10 is a verse, though, that I want to give to blanket over all of us. And it's a beautiful verse. It's David going before God, asking him to search his heart. And this is what he says. He says to this, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. This verse has been encouraging to me for a long time because the author is speaking from these big emotional places he's never been to, so only feels. He knows that he's never been to the edge of the sea. He knows that he has never made his bed in Sheol. He knows that he has never... Uh, flew with the wings of the morning, but he has experienced emotionally these places. He has had his first child handed to him and it was beautiful and he flew emotionally and he has experienced the death of a loved one. He has seen conquering and felt God's incredible presence as if heaven was on earth and he has been defeated by something, feeling like his uh, heart is laid in the darkness of hell. He has felt these places and what he says to God is no matter where I feel... I am, you are. No matter where I feel I am, you are. This is what being messy means. Confessing openly and honestly that when you sit in your mess, it feels lonely. When you sit in your mess, sometimes it feels powerful because you don't have to let anybody in. When you sit in your mess, it feels safer. When you sit in your mess, it feels scarier. It brings all the emotions and all the stuff to sit inside your story, stop running, we're going to talk about this next week, and let the trauma and the things in your life that have affected and impacted you actually turn the corner and start to catch up. See, you actually don't go and deal with anything. I don't know if you've realized this about therapists, and we have some therapists in the room, but therapy isn't about going to deal with anything. It's about stopping the running and letting what's already dealing with you deal with you. You're already impacted by your mess. You're just taking a minute to actually see it. And the amazing thing is you're only seeing what God already does. The reality of why you are the way you are. This writer eloquently says, no matter how I feel, God, you are there. No matter what I experience, God, you are there. Now, this is the second place that I go to. When I'm struggling this is the second place this is a place of my loving God This is the place that I go to when I'm looking for answers This is the place that I go to when I'm looking for truth This is the place that I go to when I'm trying the very best I can to not build a life around how Danny sees things should be But instead how God sees things for me This is the God who pursues me at, no matter the cost The glory of God's love, I'll put it on the screen, is that he knew exactly what it would cost to save me and paid it anyways. So I'm this messy person confessing my mess today, deciding to engage with the dragons and dandelions that already exist in my life, and I'm deciding to leave this mess, taking it with me to the presence of God who already knows the cost of overcoming my mess. He already knew, think about this, before he created the world, God knew that he would send Christ into a sinful, wicked, bent, and broken world to die for our sins. Think about that. This means he always knew that you and I would reject him, abhor him. Worship false gods and sometimes even be his enemy. This means he knew that Jesus would scream, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That he knew that the immortal one would be swallowed by death. God looked over this world and he saw people in their authenticity and he knew that it would cost him. He knew what he would have to pay. I love this quote. God knew that his beloved son, the one adored by angels and upholding the world by his word, would be spit upon and mocked and ripped open by whips and pinned to a cross and pierced by a spear. He knew See, I return to this reality time and time again. This reality that God knows about my messy place. This place of God's love that just doesn't seem to fit inside my messy place. And then you add Jesus to the mix. Jesus who represents God's love here on earth. Jesus, when he went to the cross, you don't think he was aware of Isaiah 53 that was written about his coming? Which says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus, who is this place of God's love, knows this place of Danny's mess. When Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem, he knew what was coming. He knew that the wrath of God towards sin, my sin and your sin, not his own, was going to be poured out on him. When Jesus sweat and trembled and pleaded with God in the garden of Gethsemane, he was fully aware that he was about to be swallowed up by the overwhelming hatred of God's hate of sin. And yet in spite of all of this, Jesus still went to the cross anyways, deliberately substituting himself for me And for you, intentionally spreading his precious blood over the doorframe of my life. See, this is where Jesus sits. This is where Danny sits. Danny sits in depravity. Jesus sits in perfect love. This love, of which there are hardly any words that can express Spurgeon, about this love, this is what he said. If there is one subject more than another upon which I wish ever to speak, it is the love of Christ. But if there is one which quite baffles me and makes me go back from this platform utterly ashamed of my poor feeble words, it is this subject. The love of Christ is the most amazing thing under heaven if not in heaven itself. Now, this is so important. See, I didn't spend as much time On the messy space because I think you and I both know we're a mess that's why we don't stop because we know the mess will eventually catch up with us I spent a majority so far this morning on this loving space the space that represents the love of Christ the cross of Christ the love of God for you in spite of your mess but what I really want you to see today is the contrast that lies in between It's this contrast between my own place of depravity and God's place of love that generally keeps people from full reliance and full relationship with Jesus. Because once you begin to see the light of Jesus, that light shines upon your darkness even more, causing stains you didn't even know existed to illuminate. And shame comes in, turns the corner and traps itself all around your space and you feel Like you can't defeat a dragon, let alone a dandelion. This often brings with it an uncomfortable feeling. This reality that we're talking about right now. Almost too much for anyone's heart to fully accept that Jesus, who was that perfect, would love Danny, who is this flawed. And yet this is exactly why the gospel came. 2 Timothy 1 says he has saved us. And called us to a holy life. Listen to this. Because this is the contrast. This is someone writing from this space. This space feeling the uncomfortableness you feel. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done. But because of God's own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. See the more you realize you need God. The more uncomfortable it is to need God. When you don't know you need God so bad, it's like buying a new car. It's exciting. I mean, you know there's payments. You know there's a cost. You know there's lifestyle change. You you get it, but you're like, look at this thing, man. Everyone who sees me can going to be like, what? You're going to church now? That's crazy. You're like, I know, I know. You've got that new Christian smell, and people are walking around. (laughs) Right? And they're like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. Like, you don't do that anymore. I'm like, no, man, I don't do this anymore. And then you get into your first conflict with somebody right? And that new Christian stuff goes right out the window, and you're like, I will use this four-wheel drive life to wholly roll you into nothing. Do you understand? (laughs) I have scriptures for everything now. Let me just tell you what I think about you, and suddenly you're just lighting people up with this new life God gave you. When in reality, the truth of it is that what came with the new life was, was a prayer, a prayer that says, God, make my heart of stone my heart that's brittle my heart that that doesn't feel my heart that doesn't see my heart that doesn't hear my heart that doesn't express love and make it a heart of flesh that can express love and see and hear and experience all the things in life but also now that hurts deeply by the way in which people have treated me and more importantly god by the way in which they're treating you and suddenly you're living in this place of great emotional contrast because it hurts to be with Jesus. It actually feels okay most of the time to shut down the, the reality of the mess and just sit quietly in the corner. But Jesus, who Scripture says comes a-knocking, opens the door to your messy room and he says, Hey, Danny, we're over here now. And I sit in the room of my poor decisions and my mess and I say, God, don't crack that door open anymore. You don't want to see what's in here right now. You have no idea what I just said yesterday or what I just did. And God's like, Danny. (laughs) And this is where it gets really trippy. He says, Danny. And suddenly the voice moves from outside the door to beside you. He says, I'm already in the room, bro. (laughs) And the shame hits. And the emotion hits. And the embarrassment hits. And Jesus takes you and all your stuff. And he moves you over to his place. And he says, you belong to me now. And you say, but Jesus, that's ridiculous. That's reckless. You don't understand what I'm going to do to your kingdom. I mean, I come with my stuff. And Jesus is like, Danny, I don't think you understand the kind of kingdom I lead. I am the God who overcomes all stuff. I'll take you and everything else you can bring with you. It's like the love of a parent. That reckless love that drives one to plunge into a burning house to rescue a beloved child in spite of the danger and instead choosing to pay whatever the cost. See, every once in a while we can get a glimpse of God's reckless love for us because in that situation, I think I, can, I experience in my own life what I would do to save one of my children in that situation. And I'm here to tell you, it would be everything I could. But I find myself in other situations, not burning houses, but houses I've burnt down, houses I've hurt. Decisions I've made, and yet Jesus still saves me with that same desire, with that same ridiculousness, with that same recklessness. He still comes after me, and I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. I brought this on myself. I did this to myself, and he's like, I know, and therefore you're going to do that with me because I am now going to cover you through the blood of myself so that you can find healing and wholeness. Danny, I take you with all your mess. And it is this incredible love for us that God has. And that's why he didn't spare Jesus. And that's why he won't hold any good thing from you and I. And it's through this sacrifice of Christ that our invitation has been made. And so it's this kind of overwhelming love that propels me to worship with adoration. It's this kind of ridiculous love that moves me to ask Jesus, why would you save someone like me? It drives me to my knees in humble gratefulness because I know I don't deserve it and I know that I cannot earn it. This love, this ridiculous, reckless love no matter how much I pour out before him he continues to take it he continues to receive it his reckless invitation still remains nonetheless you see this series that I want to go into it requires something no other series I've ever done has required it requires your permission because if you choose over the next two months to stay in this messy place And you choose not to open that door and journey with others or journey with the story of God. If you choose to hide, within the pain that you live right now pretending it's other things when really you know it's just a lack of healing from God in that area or that arena then you will not get what you should from what God's going to do here over the next few months and that's why it's so critical to you that you receive the reckless invitation of Jesus Christ to join and be a part of your own emotional health journey. The only reason that you and I are still wrestling with this is because we are not engaging in the areas we're supposed to with each other and with God. That is the only reason. Every single thing I have laid before God and the people I've trusted in my life to work it out, everything God has brought healing to. He didn't make it better. He didn't make it not hurt. But I don't lay awake at night with it. I don't see it in the yard of my life. I don't feel it roaring above me. It is no longer a dragon or dandelion. It is a scar. It is a wound. It is a limp. It is still painful. It is still sad when I think about it. But it doesn't own me. It doesn't destroy me. It got out of the way so that I could put on paper something that truly was how I felt without any reservation. And it was all because God waited for me to invite him recklessly into my life and the mess that it is. So that's what today is. It's a proper invitation to a very improper journey. And I hope you participate. I hope you see right now what's on this stage, two chairs. I hope you realize what you're sitting in right now, this chair of your life. And I hope you see clearly which chair you're in or which chair you're fighting for or which chair brings purpose to you. There's people in this room right now, you've never accepted this journey. This is the first time you've heard anything like this about Jesus. I wanna pray for you. I wanna invite you into the chair of his love. I wanna invite you into his presence. And then I'm gonna pray for some other folks in this room. That's those of you in the room that you've, you've made this your home. You've accepted this as your future. And I'm here today to speak against that. I'm here today to break that with the Holy Spirit's power. I'm here today to bring fruit and forever into your eyes so that you can leave here different, not perfect, not all better, but together with us and together with Christ journeying towards holiness and health.
1: I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down. Fight still, I'm found. Leaves a 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming. this love. Coming after me There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down By your tail. Coming after me oh, There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me 99 I couldn't earn it and I don't deserve it still you give yourself away oh overwhelm me never reckless love of God. God we thank you for that invitation for your reckless love that chases us down when we stray, when we retreat to our messy lives, God. We thank you that there's nothing that you won't do to bring us back to you, God. I pray that you would instill in our hearts a drive to pursue you fully, and that it would be seen By those around us, God, your light would be seen. We love you, Lord.